Today we start a brand new teaching series called the Songs of Summer. Yes, and summer is a great time for songs, right? You put your headphones on while you're mowing the lawn or you're going on a road trip and you got the radio tuned in, right, to the, the station that you so like to listen to. Um, I've got a challenge for you in this series, all right, for the next, I think it's five weeks or so. The series challenges when you turn your music on, turn to Christian music first, okay? That's the challenge. When you turn your music on, when you reach for that radio dial in the car, when you say, Alexa, play something, right? Um, turn to Christian music first. Don't just listen to, I'm not saying that, don't just listen to Christian music. I'm just saying for this series, for the next couple of weeks, just give it a try Turn on a Christian song first. Turn on that Christian radio station. Ask Alexa to play that worship song or whatever. And uh, just see what God does in these coming weeks. When you turn your music on, turn to Christian music first. You think you can do it? All right, all right. Hey, it's a, it's a powerful thing. Songs are powerful things. Songs are all throughout the Bible. There's even a whole book in the Bible, the biggest book in the Bible of Psalms, that is all songs. And uh, in this series, we're actually not going to look at too many of those songs. Uh, we're going to look at the songs in the Bible that are in other places, that are maybe in unfamiliar places or unexpected places of the Bible and see what these songs have to tell us and have to teach us. Because songs are powerful things. Like they really are amazing at drawing you and your mind and your heart to certain places, to certain memories, to certain experiences. You hear that song and you remember the moment you heard it. You can put yourself in that seat or in that car or in that concert venue or somewhere and it just, you, you like feel like you're back there. Or songs also help like shape the experience. Like it helps put words to things that you're experiencing in your life. And that's what the book of Psalms does, really. Like if you are struggling with something, you're trying to put words to feelings that you have. Uh, you're, you're trying, like you don't really understand or how to express what you're thinking. Like open your Bible to the book of Psalms and just read those words because it's, it's amazing when you put words and identify the things that are on your heart. And that's what songs do. Like they help us do these things. And so as I was thinking about how to kick off this series, I wanted to share with you three songs that do that for me. They bring me back to uh, some interesting kind of random places in my life. And for some reason, these songs just bring me there. And uh, the first one brings me back to my college baseball days. And uh, I really don't know why, but uh, we didn't like win all the time. We were a good team, but like when we won, we all you know, would, would give each other high fives, and it was just a really cool thing. And the DJ, the person at the home stadium, you know, whenever we win, they would play this song. And never get enough. And every time I step into the building, everybody's hands go, all right, we got a couple people that got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we win and our hands go up and there was just something about the celebration of victory and our whole team walking in the line and giving each other high fives and you know you give the other team high fives too but then you give your own team high fives and it's just something exciting about that. <laughs> it's 
told you it was kind of random. But the next one, the next one brings me back to my college football days. All right. So, and this one, um, this isn't a victory song. Well, it is a victory song, but we were actually on the losing end of this. Okay. So like the other team was the one celebrating and we weren't. And, uh, Sometimes you just need a couple notes, right? Like, you don't even need a lot. You, you got the song, like, after a couple notes. So how about this one? You don't even need any words, right? So what do you got? I got a... That tonight's going to be a... A good night, yeah, yeah. It was a terrible night for us. It was a terrible night. But that's what you get when you play on the road, right? Man, our football team was good. Like, we weren't ever that great. But this year, we had a lot of good players. I was a freshman. I didn't really play that much um, or at all. But, um, but our team was good. And, like, we won a bunch of games. And we were going to make it to the Division Three playoffs this year for the first time in forever. All we had to do was beat our rival school, Albright College. And we were in overtime against them. First overtime, second overtime, third overtime. Then it was fourth overtime, if you know how college football works. And so our coach must have decided that, like, this game was over. We were done. I'm going to go for two and try to, you know, win, and, and we, didn't, we didn't score that two-point. So then the other team got the ball, they went down the field, they scored the touchdown and kicked the extra point, and DJ pressed play on that song, and man, I'm sure they were having a great night, but we weren't. We weren't. The last song I want to share with you um, illustrates the sermon, what we're going to be talking about uh, in the best way that I could think of. Um, and you're probably not going to know this song. If you do, we got a special connection. One of you I know does. Mr. Tony does. Um, but here's the song that happens after uh, another victory. Then you clap your hands, everybody, for Philadelphia, 76ers. Then you stomp your feet, and then you count, one, two, three, four, five, sixers. It's kind of catchy, right? Backwards, 10, 9, 8, 76ers, right? That's the Sixers theme song. It's the victory song that gets played after they win. All the time. I used to watch a lot of Sixers games. The last couple of years, I've been bailing on them. I've just been, been busy. But I went to a lot of games, and I just, there's something about just celebrating and playing that song when you win. It's just so, so good. But I always find it interesting. Like someone, the DJ, somebody has to decide when to press the button, when to press play. Do you wait until the game is over, when the clock has hit zero, and then you press the victory song? Not every time, because I'm watching games, and there's like 40 seconds left on the clock, and the song's already playing, right? It's just going, it's just going, and like there's time left on the clock. The other team could even score, but the game is over, and the victory song is already playing. And why wait? Why wait to press play, right? Like there's, there is a lot of time left in the game, but the other team has no chance of winning. 
the, t- the clock is ticking down and, and they might even turn the ball over. Even the other team might score, but the game is over. And so I've come to tell you today as we kick off the Songs of Summer series to press play, to press play. Turn to your neighbor and ask them the question, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Yeah, and then tell them, tell them, press play, press play, press play, press play on your praise, press play on your worship of God. Even before you see the victory in your life, like you are probably praying for something. You're probably hoping for something. You are probably hoping that something in your life is going to be different. Don't wait until you get that before you praise God. Because the trick is, or the, you probably aren't ever going to get it. (laughs) You got to decide today in this moment, in the middle of waiting, in the middle of the pain and the difficulty and the trial, that you're going to praise God, that you're going to worship God, that you're going to press play on your praise. You got to, you got to do it. And that's what we see Moses and Aaron and the people of Israel did as they were going through this thing called the Exodus. They were getting led out of slavery in Egypt and they were crossing the Red Sea and they paused and pressed play on some praise. And so if you have your Bible, turn with me to Exodus chapter 15. If you don't have your Bible, you'll see the words on the screen behind me. And um, Exodus 15 is the first song in the Bible. There's Genesis, which is the first book in the Bible. And actually, after this series, we're going to do a series through the first 11 chapters in Genesis. So I've been looking forward to preaching through Genesis for a long time. And so I'm excited that we're almost there. (laughs) We're going to get there. So that's Genesis is the first book of the Bible. And then Exodus, Genesis, Exodus. So the first song with all the lyrics in the Bible is this. Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. Isn't that a cool song? You hear the cadence and the rhythm of that, right? It's like, I, have, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. Yes, there you go. Yeah. All right. All right. Hmm. The song continues. It says, The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and army he has hurled into the sea. The finest of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters gushed over them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, is glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, smashes the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow those who rise against you. You unleash your blazing fury. It consumes them like straw. At the blast of your breath, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood straight like a wall. In the heart of the sea, the deep waters became hard. The enemy boasted, I will chase them and plunder them and catch up with them. 
I will consume them. I will flash my sword. My powerful hand will destroy them. <laughs> but you blew with your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Holy, glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders. You raised your right hand, and the earth swallowed our enemies. With your unfailing love, you lead the people you have redeemed. In your might, you guide them to your sacred home. The peoples hear and tremble. Anguish grips those who live in Philistia. The leaders of Edom are terrified. The nobles of Moab tremble. All who live in Canaan melt away. Terror and dread fall upon them. The power of your arm makes them lifeless as stone until your people pass by, O Lord until the people you purchased pass by. You will bring them in and plant them in your own mountain, the place, O Lord, reserved for your own dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, that your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. And when Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers rushed into the sea, the Lord brought the water crashing down on them. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground, and then Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine and led all the women and played their tambourines and danced. And Miriam sang this song, right? I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both host, horse and rider into the sea. It is always, always, always the right time to press play. To press play on your praise. To press play on your worship. It is always the right time. He is always worthy to be praised. I know you're waiting for something. I know you're praying for something. I know you're hoping for something. But we have to worship God before, during, and after the victory. Like we have to. We have to worship Him at all times because the enemy is coming after us. He's chasing us. He's coming to get us. He's coming to plunder us. He's coming to, and we, we battle him we, by worshiping the Lord, that his attacks, his, his, his lies are not going to get a hold of our heart and in a hold of our mind. He's, we are going to worship God. We're going to praise God. We're going to thank God for what he will do and what he has done. We got to press play. We got to press play. And this Exodus event is like one of the foundational events of all of Scripture. Like we see allusions and, and illustrations of this throughout the entire Bible. It, it, we see a lot of it in Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. And Moses here and the people, they sing. They sing about it, that it's the Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. I just wonder, who gives you victory? Like, do you, in all your great efforts, give yourself victories? Your great planning, your great skills, your great connections, you give yourself victory in life? <laughs> the Lord gives victory. And... Moses and the people, they knew this because as they were leaving Egypt, they came unto this impassable obstacle, the Red Sea. Their swimming ability was not going to save them. 
The fact that they could run really fast and outrun the chariots and the horses, and that wasn't going to help. They needed God to show up. And God did show up and rescue them and lead them through. God gave the victory. And then notice the pronouns that Moses and the people sing here. The Lord is my strength, and he's my song. He's given me victory. This is my God. Like the God that split the sea, the God that created the the vastness of the heavens and the stars, the, the God that empowered the sun to shine bright, the God that created the vastness of the oceans and holds the waters That amazing, omnipotent, all-powerful God that can literally do anything, he's my God. (laughs) He is my God. And he's my song. Like the the rhythm of my heart, the the rhythm of our breathing and our breaths and just the pace and all. Like the God who created that is my God. He's my God. And I love how Moses, it's a personal thing, right? I wonder if you could say that, right? Is God that God, your God? But he's not just your God, he's also my father's God. Like Moses wasn't the first person in the history of the world to God to show up to and be like, I'm going to be your God. And Moses is like, okay, right? Moses recognized that his like great, 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 great grandfather Abraham received some very important promises from the Lord. And God called Abraham and said, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you, make you a blessing. And I'm going to give you a people, a land, a blessing, a people. And that promise, it was a covenant. It was a one-sided agreement with God saying, God's going to do this no matter what happens. It happened with Abraham. He got passed down to his son Isaac, to his son Jacob. And Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Israel had 12 sons. They turned into the 13 tribes of Israel, the forefathers of the nation of Israel. And the problem was, though, is God made this promise to Abraham, a land, a people, a blessing, and they didn't really have any of that. In fact, the land, there was a famine. And so the brothers, the the sons of Jacob, had to go to Egypt, had to go to the the enemy, had to go to the place of, that's not our land at all. That's That's the worst place we could possibly go. But because of the famine, the family went to Egypt. But guess who was already there? God was already there. (laughs) God had gone before them and prepared one of the brothers to be like the most powerful guy in all of Egypt. And they're the whole reason he, Joseph's the whole reason why they went there in the first place because he stored up all this food and God had went before them. And so many times in our life, in your life, we find ourselves drifting and going to places we never thought we'd go, moving to new places, working in new environments, meeting new people, and making terrible decisions and ending up in places that, in left field, like, how did I ever get here? 
But you are never outside of God's plan for your life. Like he can always take you, no matter where you end up, and say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use that, and let's, let's get back on track. Like we got a little sidetracked here, but like I'll transform it, I'll use it, and I'll use what was evil, and I'll use it for good. I've gone before you. I've already been there. I've already, I've already worked it all out. It's okay. I'm gonna bring you back. I'm gonna transform it, and we're gonna move forward together. God does that, and he went before his people in Israel, or in Egypt with Joseph and preparing the way. And you are never alone wherever you go. God is there and he's prepared people to meet you in those places, to be with you and to help you and all that stuff. But that doesn't mean life is easy, right? In fact, for this nation of Israel, they spent 400 years in Egypt. They went down for some food and they got stuck. About 400-ish years. And At the end of that, they were slaves, about as bad as it gets, right? Pharaoh's like, you're going to do all this stuff, and you're going to work, and it's going to be horrible, it's going to be terrible. But the reason Pharaoh did that was because he was afraid of these people. There were so many of them, they were multiplying, they were growing, and what looked like slavery on the outside was really nation development on the inside. And the same is true in our life. Like the reason that you get attacked, the reason that the enemy comes after you, the reason that you doubt, the reason that you question, the reason that you feel like the world is against you is because it's scared of you. Like if you're just doing nothing, if you're just like sitting on the sideline, if you got nothing to offer, you're like a baby, immature Christian, you know, you're just like whatever, right? The enemy's not going to bother with you. Just leave them over there. It's fine. They're not making a difference. But the moment you start praying, the moment you start loving people that you have no reason to love, the moment you start sharing Jesus with people, the enemy is like, "Uh uh-oh. We got to do something about this. We got to make it harder for them. We got to ramp up the pressure on their life. And so what looks like slavery on the outside is really personal development on the inside. It's really God developing you, preparing you for what he has for you. What looks like pain and difficulty on the outside is nothing compared to the potential that God is developing on your inside. He's developing you. And that's what he was doing with the nation of Israel. He was preparing them. And so, he was preparing them enough where they were set, and it was ready, it was time to call Moses. And God met Moses at the burning bush and said, okay, now was the time. You're gonna go stand in front of the most powerful man on the earth and say, let my people go. Just like that. And he's going to say, no. But it was time. It was ready to do it. And uh, yeah, he said no. Because Pharaoh, he never saw or knew what the exodus was, right? He had never experienced a God 
do that before. Like we can read it in our book and be like, oh yeah, that's pretty amazing. He never saw it before. He didn't have the history books to look at. This was new to him. And Pharaoh was powerful, probably the most powerful person on the planet, the most powerful nation. And he had all these gods that were fighting for him. He had all these gods for everything, for the Nile River, for the sun, for all this stuff. He had all these gods, and he's not worried. But this Hebrew family, they had a god too. And they believed that their god was going to be with them, and that their God was going to give them the victory. And so they sing in this song, the Lord is a warrior, and Yahweh is his name. When, when God revealed himself to Moses at the bush, Moses is like, I, I got to tell them what your name is. Like, you're telling me all this stuff. They're not going to believe me. What's your name? I am. Okay. I am. I, I am. And Yahweh, that personal name of the Lord. And the Lord is uh, fill in the blank. <laughs> How do you describe the Lord? What word do you put in? The Lord is a, a savior. Yeah. A Lord, the Lord is maybe he's love. And he certainly is all of those things. Absolutely. Maybe you say the Lord is gracious or the Lord is merciful. The Lord is kind. Yeah. But the Lord is also a warrior. The Lord is a warrior that wants to fight for you. And so when Pharaoh said no, warrior God said, all right, let's do this thing. And you think your gods are strong? All 10 plagues that happened to cause Pharaoh to change his mind were direct attacks against those gods. And said, you're God for the sun? Ah, I'll turn the sun dark. Right? You're God for the Nile River that supports your amazing country? Whatever. I'll turn it to blood. Right? The livestock, dead. The gnats, all this stuff. Right? Our God, the God, the Lord, a warrior said, I'm the strongest here. I'm going to conquer this. I'm going to lead you out. I'm going to give you the victory. And after the 10th plague, which was the death of the firstborn son, you know, the Egyptians, they, they didn't follow the, the putting the blood on the doorpost thing, the killing of the lamb, the Passover event. And, and so the, the Israelites, they had their firstborn son saved because they trusted in God. They, they, they obeyed. They, they sacrificed the innocent animal and put the blood on the doorpost. But the Egyptians and others, you know, they, didn't, they weren't so good. And that night was horrible. You can just imagine the cries and the, the screams and the, you know, and so Pharaoh eventually said that this country, this nation that was, you know, they were slaves, they're, they're, doing, they're causing too much difficulty. <laughs> it's, it's better for them just to leave. And they actually like paid them to leave, right? It's just like, please get out of here. This is terrible. You're causing too much harm. Just leave, please. But then they get to the water, right? The, Moses is leading these millions of people out to the water. And then What? Right? Now what? How do we get through this? How do we, are we going to get to the promised land? How are we going to do this? And then Pharaoh changed his mind. He's like, I can't let them get away that easily. And so he boasted, I will chase them and catch up with them. I will plunder 
them and consume them. I will flash my sword and my powerful hand will destroy them. (laughs) That's what he thought. But God blew with his breath and the sea covered them. The very same sea that they walked through on dry ground that stood up like walls for them to walk through, that same water came crashing down to destroy the Egyptians that were coming after them. And it caused them to, again, wonder and worship. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Glorious, glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders. Like, wouldn't you love to have been there and just, like, watching this scene happen? Right? It's like, you know, the tension and the, the suspense. And then you see this amazing miracle happen and, and these people are walking through and then the armies are coming after and you hear the screams and the shouts and the dust and all this stuff and then the waters come back and crash and it's just like amazing, amazing. And it's all because of this glorious holy God who's totally set apart. He's totally other. He's totally perfect. And he's awesome. He's awesome in splendor. Everything about him is beautiful. And he performs great wonders, like amazing, miraculous things that God does. And I just wonder this morning, when was the last time that you pressed play on your praise and your worship of this glorious, holiest, awesome in splendor, who performs great wonders, God. When was the last time that you pressed play? When was the last time you were like Miriam and grabbed your tambourine and danced, right? I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. Just press play and worship him. And maybe you'd say, Kevin, I... That sounds good, but I don't know if I have anything to, to press play about. Like, if you knew my life, I'm, I'm not sure. What I'm f- struggling with right now, I, I don't know what I, I can say thank you for. I don't know what I can even, like, I don't even know if God is real, if I'm honest. And, like, I know. I know that feeling. It's a real feeling, absolutely. But that's why the message and the challenge today is to press play. Today. Even while you feel like that. Even while you think like that. Even while you believe like that. Press play today. Because Egypt is our story. It's your story. And if you're looking for something to praise God about, like, this is for you. This is a reason to press play. We were all, I was, you were, we were all stuck in a place that we could call Egypt. Where we were spinning our wheels, (laughs) life was frustrating, difficult, hard, We were stuck. There was nothing that we could do about it. We would make decisions that we regret. And it just feels like our life would never change. There was no hope. We were out of luck. We were slaves 
to our thinking. There was nothing we could change about it. Slaves to our feelings. Slaves, ultimately, to our sin. And we would hope for better days. We would look forward to the promised land, but there was an immovable, impassable object in the middle of that. And sure, I know, you've tried some stuff to get through that. You've tried to hide it. You've tried to minimize it. You've tried to do better and deal with it. You've tried to make your life better. You've tried to pray harder and tend church. And you've tried all these things. And you just keep coming up against that wall. But the good news is that God knows all that. He knew all that. And when you couldn't do anything to get through, God said, I'm going to show up and I'm going to do it for you. I know you're stuck. (laughs) I know you're slaves. I know there's nothing you can do to enter the promised land. And so God says, I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to split the sea so that you can walk through it. I'm going to hold the waters back so that you can go through on dry ground. You can't do it yourself. Actually, you can't do it at all. I'm going to do it. And you might wonder, how do I know that? Again, it sounds good, but how do I know that? And you've got to point your attention and your focus at the cross. Because on the cross, Jesus paid the penalty for the sin that you could do nothing about. He did it for you. He died in your place, on your behalf, as you, so that the thing that was holding you back, the thing that separated you from God was paid for, it was destroyed, it was demolished, it was gone. He was buried and rose again the third day so that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven, you are saved, you are led through that sea and into the promised land of blessing, of forgiveness, of hope, of peace, of love, of assurance that God is your God, that he is a warrior, that he is going to fight for you. Like that is what God has done for you. Amen. He has. And so if you are looking for a reason to press play today. That's your reason. You don't need, I mean, it's nice when you have other reasons, but you don't need another reason. Like the God of the universe loved you, loves you so much that he did that for you. And so God, we just say thank you. We say we worship you. We say we love you. We say we honor you. We say we want to live our life for you. And so I want to invite you now to stand with me. We're going to sing this song, Egypt, about all this. And let's press play on our praise.